you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Today, you'll hear an episode from our Takeover Tuesday series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sanger Molly says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. My name is Noah Omri Levin. This week, I set out to get a unique perspective on side hustles, entrepreneurship, and even some notes on marriage from the person that I admire and have learned the most from. She is an extremely talented entrepreneur and digital marketer, someone who I've learned so much from and who has recently, after 10 years of research and study, converted her side hustle into her full focus, a business coaching women in their first year of marriage. She is none other than... Kayla Levin, founder of FirstYearMarried.com, who also happens to be my wife. Hello, Kayla Levin. It is an honor to have you on our (laughs) podcast. Good to be here. I am so excited about this podcast episode because there's so much to say and a lot of digital marketers that are out there aren't the traditional working in an agency or working client side. They're really out there on their own as an entrepreneur or helping others, family businesses, all kinds of businesses. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and what makes you a digital marketer. Okay. Well, I am not trained in marketing. I actually trained at NYU in the drama school. But after we got married, I started working for a web company, working as the web producer and helping out with the back end of the the startup. So from there, I got a real on the ground firsthand look at what real entrepreneurship looks like. You know, this was a this was a startup. So, you know, they were running it themselves. From there, I started just sort of getting different jobs as the company grew. And so I started running their social media um, and I really enjoyed that. So later I joined the family business coaching real estate agents to use social media, which is a great thing to do because real estate agents really need it. And a lot of times they don't have the background and they're also usually really nice people. So that was great to work with them. And the more, you know, if you're doing a job, so the more I was coaching, the more I needed to get more information and just make sure my skills stayed stayed great so that I could be valuable to them. So learned a lot about the space there. During that time, I also was teaching in elementary school, which is totally not related, but was a lot of fun and training as a life coach. What kind of training have you gone through and what type of coaching do you do? Okay, so my initial training was through the Rafua Institute, which is based out of Jerusalem. It's it's a life coach training program that specifically prepares coaches to work with the Jewish population, dealing with certain issues that might be relevant. So while you're getting the baseline life coach background, you're also getting that sort of additional piece. And since a lot of my clients were were Jews, that was very helpful to have that. But then a couple of years later, I discovered Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. And I, the more I got to know her material, at one point she sent out a challenge that any coaches listening to her podcast should just try out her material with their clients and see, see how it goes. And she, was, she like gave explicit permission, go ahead and give this a shot. And I did. And it just became this joke that like every time I would use her model, there would be a breakthrough. Every single time I, I used her coaching technique my clients would experience some amazing breakthrough. And it was just every single time. I can't, I can't really, I guess I'm just saying it over and over, but like it was amazing. And so a little while later, she offered an advanced coach training for people who were already trained as life coaches. So they didn't necessarily need to go through her school. 
but wanted to use more of her advanced tools. So I, I did an advanced training with her. And so that was kind of a breakthrough. You've, you've decided to pivot your entire life and kind of focus on one niche. So can you tell us a little bit about the new company that you're launching called First Year Married? Absolutely. It's definitely been interesting, you know, getting it down to exactly who I wanted to work with. And there were a lot of iterations over the years, especially coming off of the challenges that I kept, I felt were coming up frequently for my clients. So for a long time, I thought it was going to actually be a program for stay-at-home moms because they had a very specific issue that I, I was working with a lot. But it eventually evolved, I guess, as my clientele kind of evolved to a sort of dual coaching and educational course for women who are in their first year of marriage whose parents are divorced. And that's that's first year married. So that is a very specific niche. And that's <laughs> the first thing people are probably thinking. And people always ask us, what were the challenges of picking a niche and why go so specific? I think a lot of that also came from Brooke because while she trains me as a life coach, she also does entrepreneurial training. The the image she gives, which I think is just so perfect, is, you know, if someone comes to your house and you're like, oh, help yourself to anything in the fridge. So most of the times people aren't going to take anything. I see this with my kids also, right? Like if they come, if I say like, oh, you can have any fruit or vegetable from the fridge. And then they're like, no. But if I give them a clementine, they're going to devour it. Or you cut up some cucumbers, you know? So if you offer someone something extremely specific, so then they have, they even can make a choice of yes or no. You know, am I a life coach for somebody who has a son who's, you know, obsessive compulsive and he's between the ages of five and nine. Well, no, that wouldn't be me. I wouldn't go for that coach. But if I did have that kid, then this is a no brainer. If that person is an expert in that area, for sure, you know, it's got my name all over it. I want to sign up. So I think it's the same thing here, but I I think it actually comes from two sides. So, so we, I think understood the value of picking a niche because that's sort of what all the experts are saying. But I think it also came from thinking about how you're going to provide the most value. And I think that when you're really focused on giving the best experience and making sure that the people who come through your course get the absolute most out of it that they can, you have to pick a niche because somebody who's you know been married three years is going to have a different experience than somebody who's just gotten married. Somebody whose parents are divorced has a whole set of a whole background that's going to be different than somebody whose parents are still happily married. And so I think that a lot of it just came from sitting down to write the program and realizing, you know what, this is not specific enough. I really, really need to be clear on who I'm talking to and who I'm coaching, especially in a group coaching program. If I'm coaching one-on-one, I don't need to do that. But when I'm doing a group program, you just really have to pick something very clear. That's awesome. You you mentioned your kids, our kids. Mm -hmm. You have four of them at Mm -hmm. this point. Which is a lot. It is a lot. A lot of people. And, (laughs) And it's interesting because we see kind of out there in the world right now, there's a lot of stay-at-home moms who are doing this, who are becoming entrepreneurs. They're launching businesses. Some of them are very not traditional. Life coaching in and of itself is a very interesting space because people more and more are recognizing the need to have the self-awareness, have somebody mentoring them. And a life coach is a really great option for that. But overall, in this entire space with mothers and, and different people taking a step back out of the traditional corporate lifestyle and choosing something a little bit more flexible. What's your take on that? What's it been like for you? You know, I don't know if my experience is necessarily going to speak to everyone's experience. You know, it occurs to me that there are a lot of women who see the value of 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 having a more flexible schedule and who want to be home. And I think there are women who become entrepreneurs because they want to bring in more money because today you really do need more than one income in most cases 
just to, just to have a lifestyle that you want. But I think what happens a lot more, maybe not more, but I think another thing that's very common and I've seen a lot is that even though, you know, even for women who value being home or whether that's a very flexible schedule, whether that's being a full-time stay-at-home mom, that lifestyle, it, it, it it's, you know, you could want to do it very much and you can love your kids, but it doesn't provide the same intellectual stimulation. So if you've been through, you know, a rigorous academic background and you've worked in the business world and you've had jobs before, it's very hard. It's a very abrupt transition to suddenly give it all up for a very extended period of time. You know, we've had kids now for what our oldest is about to turn eight. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure I got that right. <laughs> I can keep track. You know, so what? So, I, you know, that's only been eight years. It feels like a very, very long chunk of my life. It has been a very long chunk of my life. And so to not have sort of used that part of my brain for that long, I think was very hard. And there have been times where I've tried to completely focus on being at home. And I really just didn't find that it was healthy for me. I wasn't able to be the kind of mom I wanted to be because I wasn't getting that need met. So for me, a lot of it is kind of self-care. Seeing that I'm contributing beyond the four walls of my house actually makes me contribute better inside the four walls of my house. That's a great point. And when we're talking about side hustles and untraditional careers, I think self-care is probably one of the most important topics because what a person really needs to understand for themselves to succeed in their side hustle or in their more flexible career is how they take what they need to thrive and keep going, especially because their you know, nine to five job might have structured that in. There might have been an HR department, but when you're on your own, you really have to take care of yourself and take a step back and have boundaries and, you know, celebrate successes and you'd be able to recoup after anything that, you know, bad happens. I, I don't know. I can't speak for men, but I can speak for many women that I've coached. We have a really hard time figuring out what self-care is. And I think that, you know, there are so many cliche self-care activities, right? Like go take a bubble bath or have a glass of wine or eat some chocolate, um, go for a long walk outside. And I think, you really have to have a really good read on yourself to know what self-care is. Like for me, self-care is hopping in a car and going for a 15-hour road trip <laughs> at the last minute. Or self-care might be, you know, waking up really early and getting a workout in once in a while. You know, that's not a regular habit of mine. But if I were to, you know, when I do that, so so I think that it's it's very important to figure out what self-care really, what self, what activities really resonate with you and really recharge you. And so I think also framing the side hustle as self-care, right? I'm doing this because this helps me show up in a way. It's a very liberating way of looking at your side hustle, especially if you're in a situation where the the income is helpful, but not necessarily crucial, then it's a very good way of sort of keeping it healthy. And I also think that people who are happy have a lot more to contribute. So when I'm thinking of my coaching as a as something that I do for myself as much as I do for my clients, I show up to my clients with no resentment, no frustration, no feeling of, oh, I'm doing this, but I wish I wasn't working. I wish I was with my kids. You know, instead, this is like feeding me just as much as it's feeding them. And I think that makes me a much better coach. Yeah, you mentioned income there. And that's a great point, because just to, to hone in on that piece alone, knowing why you're doing the side hustle and what's driving you is a really interesting point, because it can be the thing that is self-care. You know this from my lifestyle. I love movement. I love getting involved in different things. Knowing why you're doing something. It could be that that little bit of extra income could help you pay down debt. It could help you go on that vacation you wanted or buy the thing that's going to make the difference for you or your family. 
it also could be that income isn't the point and that it's skill building or it's a passion for getting out of the house if you're home or out of your nine to five, very repetitive job if if that just diversifies your life a little bit. You yourself are not somebody who, if you somebody saw you walking down on the street, they'd think, you know, she's she's been a second grade, grade teacher. She's also an awesome digital marketer. But I think you've always kept a foot in that world, in this world. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what keeps drawing you back to all the different digital marketing type activities that you love to do? That's a great question. Well, I think one thing is just that I really like working with adults and anyone who's been a teacher knows that children are unbelievable, but you it's just a different bucket that you're filling when you're working with kids all day versus working with adults. I also think that I I really love being someone's cheerleader. I think that's something that I've discovered and it's, you know, plays itself out in a lot of areas in my life. And I think coaching is the most profound way of doing that because you really can give people tools that will allow them to achieve at a higher level. And at the same time, you know, just sort of harnessing that energy of seeing for someone what they can achieve that they can't even see for themselves and being excited for them before it's even happened. And it's extremely contagious. So I think I think that that's, you know, especially when I was doing social media coaching, um, definitely with life coaching, I've been able to see that. And I think with social media, you know, just as anyone who loves to communicate and who loves people, you know, social media is just a way of broadening communication, reaching out to more people. And so I think that's been the appeal there. Awesome. So <laughs> let's get personal here. Okay. <laughs> so your business partner happens to also be your husband. Yes. <laughs> What's it like to work with your spouse? I think it's usually great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's for me, I feel very fortunate that I am married to you because, I mean, in this particular, obviously, for more reasons than this, but in the context of this question of working together, you know, you've always been interested in marketing. You've always been interested in business. You have, you approach it from a different angle than I do. I come at it with a more, I think, like the creative storyteller aspect, because I've always been a creative. I've always been a writer and always been, you know, an actor. I think that component is very important in marketing being clear on your story and understanding other people's stories and, you know, using language effectively. But I definitely was missing a lot of the pieces that you have. And I find that your interests tend to be different than my interests, where like I would probably be asleep 20 minutes into a webinar on how to run a Facebook ad. You know, I can appreciate the value of Facebook ads. I just really have no interest in how they actually get (laughs) onto my Facebook feed where you are interested. So it's just very, you know, it's just this real blessing that like, we, you know, our interests complement each other. You're very interested in in that, all the numbers and the data and and the target market and all that. Where for me, I really just kind of want the people to be on the phone at the other end and be there when it's time to coach. I am interested, you know, in like the, as I said before, like the social and the building the com- conversation in advance. But that's just that's been a benefit. I think that for us, one of our biggest challenges has been when you work with your spouse and and also working from home, so we have like a double hit there, is knowing when it's time to just stop. And for both of us, like really coaching our, we, we coach each other through, we're putting this away now. This is off time. This is kid time. This is family time. That can be extremely challenging, especially since we both love this so much and we love working together. So, you know, like we need to remember, like this doesn't actually count as a date. <laughs> we also need to go on a date, <laughs> you know, or, you know, the kids are around. So as much as they seem to be playing quietly and maybe we could get in a 15 minute conversation about whatever next step is for us. Maybe it's better for us to get on the floor and start playing with the kids or actually do the dishes. (laughs) 
So things like that. I think it's just it's just that balance. But I think we get each other and we respect we respect each other. And we also have been married long enough to be able to just say, like, dude, get off your phone. And like, it's not a serious threat to the relationship. Like we can have that conversation. So so it has its challenges. But I think that that's to me, that's like, I'll pick that challenge. That sounds great. Yeah. To love what you're doing so much that you don't want to stop. And there's definitely been times where we've, you know, had to take a step back. One of yeah. the rules that we have is that whenever we're working on business together, it has to be fun. And I think that's helped us avoid the risks. Like, obviously, a lot of people think we're crazy for working with our spouse. Just like anybody else, we, we could definitely have those challenges. We're lucky in some ways that our interests complement each other. But I think we definitely, those challenges do come up and we we do find ways of taking a step back, slowing things down, not necessarily taking yeah. our, ourselves too seriously. And that yeah. helps us avoid any serious issues. Yeah. I think we, we generally approach most things as like, well, this sounds like a fun adventure. Let's see if it fails completely in our face, you know, <laughs> like, and that definitely, you know, helps because we're not taking ourselves too seriously. And I think also we both know that neither of us would hesitate for a second to drop everything if one of us was, you know, needed to, if the marriage needed us to, if the children needed us to, you know, you have a pretty high bar for where, like, how, like, our kids need to be in a certain place before we're comfortable moving on yep. to this. And so I think, I think that's really helpful that we just have that sort of base understanding. It's kind of unspoken. We don't even need to, to discuss it, but for some couples, maybe it would be helpful of just knowing that anything can drop. And I, that's a lot of also like why this happened this year, because last year I was teaching and I really had a hard time taking care of myself and I had some major health issues that came up because of it. And, you know, it was just time for me to, to totally break that, you know, working five days a week mold and it just was not working. And, you know, I think that in itself was, that's, that's our value. We take care of each other first. And that sort of created this opportunity for me to focus more on, on the coaching. Awesome. So talking about boundaries a little bit Mm -hmm. and you're married to someone, your husband happens to have a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. He also, at least least, he also runs a podcast. He teaches a general assembly at night and he's helping run his father's business. He helps you run your business. What's it like to be married to somebody who is married to all of their side hustles also? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I, I'm trying to think which which answer that springs to mind. I think for me, a lot of it is respecting what makes you happy and knowing that like I need a happy husband, right? And that is as selfish. It's as selfish for me to send you off at night and to to hold down the fort at home as it is to keep you home and have you help me with the kids. You know, when you're getting recharged, you've got so much more to offer and you're in a better place. And it's the same thing for me with you and with the kids. I think we definitely had to be explicit about how this works financially. And I think that's really helpful for every couple, especially if you have children. We discussed very early on, you know, who's going to be the response, who's responsible primarily for the finances, who's primarily responsible for the kids. Whenever I was taking a job where I was working for a boss as opposed to something where I was my own boss, we had to have the discussion, okay, if a kid is sick, am I now the person who stays home or are you the one who stays home? Like, how is this going to work? And we constantly sort of evaluating how that works. I think having that explicit conversation is so important because I never feel like my business is in competition with your business. I think also just being extremely clear about if I needed time to do something, 
like putting that request in officially. <laughs> Sometimes we have a hard time like just thinking, okay, what do I actually need? What I actually need is two hours alone in the office. And then if I ask you for that explicitly, you are so happy to make that happen and you take the kids out to the park or whatever it is. But sometimes I'll let myself get frustrated that I don't have those two hours and I don't think to ask you. So that's something that I just have to work on. I think also just getting the help that I need, you know, if it's whether it's cleaning help or if it's, you know, getting more stuff delivered from Amazon Prime instead of going to the store all the time, whatever it is, like making sure that I'm not becoming completely overwhelmed just because there isn't another set of hands. And okay, this is probably the last thing. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot when you work this much. You work a lot. I think another thing that I learned this year was I have to plan for recovery time the next day. So if you're going to be out and I'm not going to see you till 930 at night and I'm putting four kids to bed by myself and doing dinner and bedtime and cleanup and all that, I have to know that there's a good hour of the following day where I'm just going to be like recovering and getting back to myself. If I don't do that, then like I'm really a mess. <laughs> so whether I can build that in just at the baby's nap time or if, we, or if you know, when you get home, I say, okay, dinner's on the table. See you later. Or dinner's somewhere in the refrigerator. Good luck finding it. <laughs> you know, see you later. I think just budgeting that in has been really helpful. Yeah. And I, I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier in that you know, I, I will drop everything as soon as you need it, right? Or the right. family needs it. And I, I don't commit to anything that doesn't have that flexibility because I know we we are overbooked and, and we've made radical changes to make sure that we're okay. And I think anybody who's working from home is working on a side hustle or is an entrepreneur and needs to have that awareness, the self-awareness and ability to take care of themselves and the things they're responsible for to be able to be okay. Like it sounds like I'm doing all of these things at the same time and I'm never home, but a lot of the time, you know, some of these businesses take a back seat or, you know, I only do a podcast every other week because I know that if I were to commit to more than that, it wouldn't be sustainable or healthy. And I I think that is so important for anybody out there who's doing this type of activity to really not get too excited and like commit to everything in the world. Like I've been there. You've been through that with me (laughs) and we've learned like the hard way what works and what doesn't and keeps everybody happy. And again, not taking ourselves too seriously and making sure that we're really enjoying the process of all of this is I think what lets it continue and and has gotten us this year I think to the healthiest place we've ever been Mm -hmm. in that you know anything we're investing in we've really limited and each one has its place and is growing and doing well yeah so let's get back to to digital marketing a little bit as a business owner you talked about relationship building uh in the space and that you love social media so when you're trying to build those relationships and grow your business grow first you're married what is the plath platform of your choice and why? Well, it's definitely Instagram. Why? I think that the truth is, I think just a lot of people have just kind of gotten burned out from Facebook. And even people that are still on Facebook and checking it regularly, there's kind of this like resentment. (laughs) You're like, I'm checking you, but I wish I wasn't. And I think Instagram has really, even though it's owned by Facebook, right? Um, Instagram has really become a space that's about beauty and inspiration. And so you go when someone's going on Instagram, they're really coming away kind of with their if they're following, you know, the way that you, you choose to follow people and hashtags, you're coming away with like your self-identity and your values and the things that you appreciate affirmed and, you know, like with new ideas and new inspiration. And 
I feel like that's where I should be when what I'm offering people is, you know, a better marriage and a better relationship. I want to be somewhere where it's about inspiration. I think that's, you know, and I, I guess also I feel like with Instagram, there is a feeling of like pulling the veil back from whether it's the celebrity that you follow or the author or whatever it is, like it, it kind of is like, okay, here's a company or a business or a, or a, a personality, but like, let's pull back the, the veil a little bit. I think that makes it a better place for businesses to be in a way because it helps people just build that personal relationship. So even though I'm not, you know, I'm not Oprah out there, but at the same time, I'm sort of got one, I've got one foot in being a person that you can relate to and one foot in being a coach that runs a program. So on Facebook, I think that businesses tend to keep a more formal profile and it's a lot harder for people to feel relatable. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's a reason that Instagram is becoming such a popular platform and it's an interesting move because like in my career, you know, Google and pay-per-click advertising was so exciting because it allowed marketers to really measure and optimize their investments in a way that was just never possible before. And then social media came into play. And at first it was not so great. And and then later, all of a sudden, we started to see the value when your content was decent. And now we have this version of that. It's like the second wave that is far more, it's exposing how important the relationship building of any Mm -hmm. digital platform is Mm -hmm. and how much transparency the internet has really created between a person and the brands that they're engaging with and the people that are behind them. And I, I think we're only going to see more of that. It's a very exciting time. And I think it's finally getting to a place where the brands, the companies, the people that have been investing in long-term value for their, you know, the people that they're serving as a business are really going to start to win because yeah. of that. And that's it's reflective in the media, but it's just it's actually what's going on behind the media that between the person and the business that they're engaging with that's really driving that forward. And I think it really just, you know, it's it's a version of sales that I'm so much more interested in. You know, I think about my favorite author, Gretchen Rubin, who is very active on Instagram and has a podcast. And if she releases a book, it is a pleasure for me to send her my money, right? Like I've I've gotten so much value from everything that she's given me for free that I I look forward to offering her my money. Like, please take this. And I get to have a book in exchange. This is wonderful. It was the same thing with Brooke Castillo. You know, she completely revolutionized my coaching practice. I got so much value through my work with my clients. So when she offered an advanced training, it was like such a no brainer. And I, that's the only kind of client that I want to be working with. I don't want to be working with someone where they feel like I've, you know, extorted their money and they're going to wake up tomorrow with, what's it called that? Like when you regret buyer's Buyer's remorse. remorse. Like, I don't want, I don't want that. That's why we have a guarantee of, you know, money back guarantee. I want people who feel like anything that they've given me has been a total bargain and they can't believe that this is something you can even buy. You know, that's how I feel about, about the best things. When most of the time when you buy something, it's not this, like, I've been convinced against my will. It's just like, this is an offer. And it's, and again, this goes back to the niche and why the niche needs to be really specific here's an offer. This offer speaks to me. This is something that can make my life better. And money is just the currency for which we exchange that. So I think that Instagram is also good in that way that you, you have that relationship and you also can provide so much value before they've even purchased that by the time, you know, you're releasing something for them to buy, it's again, it's a no brainer. And it's also something they're happy to do. They're happy to give you the money because it's just so worth it. Awesome. 
let's let's shamelessly give you 30 seconds to pitch firstyourmarried.com. <laughs> I'll have my elevator pitch. <laughs> Tell us what it's about and uh, and what you're so excited to offer the world. Okay. So firstyourmarried.com. Definitely check it out, especially if you know anybody that this is relevant for. But basically, the goal that I, the problem I wanted to solve was the one that I experienced going into marriage as a child of divorced parents. I felt like marriage was a total fluke if you make it or not, you know, that there's just no, there's nothing you can do and you just kind of have to hope. And, you know, you see online all the time, people giving the most ridiculous marriage advice, like, oh, if you just hold hands every day, then you'll be fine. Like, great. It's good for you if that's your love language. (laughs) Maybe that's a good solution. Maybe that's going to drive your spouse crazy. And then, so when we were first married and we just became completely obsessed with learning everything we could about marriage, taking every class, every workshop, and I started to see the same themes coming up and then with my coaching training also and realizing that there were practical things that you could do that would give you the best possible shot at a healthy marriage. And I think the biggest thing for me that made me really feel like I had to offer this is that there's a lot of marriage advice that requires an extreme level of self-control. So right, if you're feeling like, and this is in any relationship, if you're feeling resentful towards another person, if you're feeling frustrated with another person, which can happen in any relationship, and then you know you're supposed to always speak politely or like never lose your temper, never be, never raise your voice, then it's it's ridiculous advice unless a person has the the self-knowledge and the tools to actually know why they're resentful in the first place and to be able to deal with that versus like just trying to like grit their teeth and bite their tongue and behave properly. So I think that that all comes from Brooks training. That to me is the most, um, was the most profound piece of just really understanding that my entire emotional experience was coming from the way I was interpreting our marriage. I was interpreting your behavior. I think my training, like the, the, all the information I learned from Alison Armstrong also comes into the, into play of seeing how men and women really do operate differently. Um, and so again, things that I was feeling frustrated about just were non-issues. So there's just a lot of amazing material out there. And I just, you know, there's no way I could have gotten it all fast enough within my first year of marriage. It took us, you know, a good almost 10 years for me to get all this material together. So I just want to be able to offer it to somebody right off the bat so that they have it and they can just start their marriage on that foot. And it's just such a strong place to be. And, and, and I think just taking away that anxiety of a person who has, has seen a marriage dissolve by just giving them practical tools is a real game changer. That was more than 30 seconds. I forget. <laughs> it's all good. No, it's just, it's really amazing. It's an honor to be a part of it. And I am really excited to, to launch this with you. I'm, it's, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. I appreciate Aww. you doing this. And uh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's amazing that after many years of being married, sitting down with my wife could be such an enlightening experience. Let's recap. One of the first things that Kayla highlighted was her focus on a micro-niche, women in their first year of marriage whose parents are divorced. Why? Well, because it sends a super clear message to her targets that she's 100% focused on their exact situation. It's fascinating. Yes, we can't all do this across our own companies and our clients' businesses, but isn't that exactly what personalization sets out to do? The idea that our solutions serve our customers, that we could speak directly to what their needs are, and that's what we should focus our message on to resonate with. It's just simply amazing. Kayla also noted how non-traditional, unstructured, or work-from-home careers aren't for everybody. 
To be successful, she needed to really know herself and even more so have self-care down to a science. She also noted that knowing your why, the motivation behind your career choice, can really pull you through the rough times that we all face and keep you motivated. Kayla shared her why, which is based on her own experience of not having a clear model when she first got married to me. And that continues to propel her forward because she feels an obligation to share the information she has and enable others to thrive in their relationships. We also talked about working together as spouses and how important it is not to take ourselves too seriously, to set boundaries, know when to set back and or slow down, And most importantly of all, that we spent years building a foundation of a solid marriage before we attempted something as ambitious as going into business together. Finally, we turn to how Instagram is her platform of choice because it's a place that pulls back the curtain. It allows people behind a brand to engage and have more meaningful interactions with the people that they serve. I know, I'm a lucky guy. And I'm also thankful to all of you all of my listeners for spreading the stories about yet another incredible person in our industry. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.